0: Chapter Number 46 of Regiment of Women. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lola Janey of Virginia. Regiment of Women by Clements Dane. Chapter 46. Claire had paused a moment, half expecting Alan to return but it was draughty on the landing, and she did not wait long. Silly of Alwyn to dash off like that. She had wanted to discuss Miss Marsham's letter with her before writing her answer. Not that she was really undecided, of course. The offer was an excellent one, no doubt, and it was fitting that it should have been made. But to accept the head-mistress ship was another matter. Life was pleasant enough as it was. She had plenty of money, and Alwyn was hobby enough. She wondered what Alwyn would say to it. Urge her to accept, probably? Alwyn was so terribly energetic. Well, she would let Alwyn talk. She picked up her pen, and when she had expended herself, Claire would produce her already written refusal. Alwyn would pout and be annoyed. Alwyn hated being made to look a fool. Claire laughed as she bent over her letter. She had achieved preliminary compliments and was hesitating as to how she should continue, when a violent rat-tat, hushing immediately to a tremulous tat 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 as if the success of the attack upon Claire's door had proved a little startling to the knocker, announced a visitor, and, to their mutual astonishment, Elizabeth Loveday fluttered into the room. Though Elizabeth's naive, amazement at herself and her own courage was more apparent. It was scarcely greater than Claire's politely veiled surprise at the invasion, for since Alwyn's attempts to reconcile the oil and water of their reluctant personalities had ceased with her absence, there had been practically no intercourse between them. With a crooked smile for her first fleeting conviction of the imminence of a church bazaar or Sunday school treat, on gargantuan lines, Claire applied herself to the preparation of Elizabeth's tea, in no great hurry for the disclosure of the visit's object, but already slightly amused at her visitor's unease, and foreseeing a whimsical half-hour in watching her pant and stumble, unassisted, to her point. Elizabeth was dimly aware of her hostess's attitude, and not a little nettled by it, She waved away cake and toast with a vague idea of breaking no bread in the enemy's house, but she was not the woman to resist tea, though he cates self-brooded. Fortified, she returned the empty cup, readjusted her veil, and opened fire. My dear Miss Hardle, she began, a shade too cordially, I've come round. I do hope you're not too busy. I know how occupied you always are. Clare was not at all busy, entirely at Miss Loveday's service. Ah, well, I confess, I came round in the hope of finding you alone, in the hope of a quiet chat. Clare was expecting no visitors, but would not Miss Loveday take another cup of tea? Oh, no, thank you, though I enjoyed my cup immensely. Delicious flavor. China, isn't it? Alwyn always coats your tea. Poor Alwyn. She can't convert me. I've always drunk the other, you know. Not but that china tea is to be preferred for those who like it, of course. And acquire tastes, perhaps. At least. She finished with an indistinct murmur, uncomfortably aware that she had not been particularly lucid in her compliments to Claire's tea. Might Claire order a cup of Indian tea to be made for Miss Loveday? It would be no trouble. Her maid drank it, she believed oh please don't i shouldn't dream you know i didn't originally intend to come to tea but you're so very kind i'm sure you're wondering what brings me claire disclaimed civilly well to tell you the truth i'm afraid you will think me extremely roundabout, miss hartle claire's mouth twitched but it's not an easy subject to begin i'm somewhat worried about alwyn again Claire had stiffened, but Elizabeth was too nervous to be observant. Oh, not her health. She is splendidly well again. Denae did wonders. Claire found Elizabeth's quick little unexplained smile irritating. No, this is, well, it certainly has something to do with Denae, too. Indeed, said Claire. Elizabeth continued, delicately tactless. She was always at her worst with her former pupil. I dare say you are surprised that I consult you, for we need not pretend, need we, that we have ever quite agreed over Alwyn. You, I know, consider me old-fashioned. She paused a moment for a disclaimer, but Clare was merely attentive. With a little less suavity, she resumed, and of course, I've always thought that you-but that after all has nothing to do with the matter nothing whatever said claire exactly but knowing that you are fond of alwyn and realizing your great your very great influence with her i felt indeed we both felt that if you once realized we roger mr lumsden oh the gardener at dinay my cousin miss hartle oh oh really but what has he to do with alwyn my dear he wants to marry her didn't she tell you elizabeth had the satisfaction of seeing claire look startled now i was sure alwyn had confided the matter to you hasn't she just been here that is really why i came i was so afraid that you with the best of motives of course might incline her to refuse him and you know miss hardle she mustn't the very man for alwyn he suits her in every way devoted to her of course but not in the least weak with her and you know i always say that alwyn needs a firm hand and between ourselves though i am the last person to consider such a thing he is an extremely good match i can't tell you miss hartle the joy it was to me the engagement i had been anxious i quite foresaw that alwyn would be difficult though i am convinced she is attached to him underneath you know so I made up in my mind to come to you I said to myself I am sure I am quite sure miss Hardell would not misunderstand the situation I'm quite sure miss Hardell would not intend to stand in the child's light she is far too fond of Alan to allow her personal feelings after all feminine friendship is all very well very delightful of course and i'm only too sensible of your goodness to alwyn and taking her to italy too but when it was a question of marriage oh miss hartle surely you see what i mean claire frowned i think so the guard this mr lumpkin lumsden of course i was confusing him mr lumsden has proposed to alwyn she has refused him, and now you wish for my help in coercing her into an apparently distasteful engagement? Oh, no, Miss Hartle, no question of coercion. I think there's no possible doubt that she is fond of him. And if it were not for you, but Alwyn is so quixotic. Clare lifted her eyebrows, politely blank. Oh, Miss Hartle, why beat about the bush? You know your influence with Alwyn it is very difficult for me to talk to you please believe that i intend nothing personal but alwyn is so swayed by you so entirely under your thumb you know what a loyal affectionate child she is and as far as i can gather from what roger let fall for she is in one of her moods and will not confide in me she considers herself bound to you by by the terms of your friendship all she would say to roger was claire comes first claire must come first which of course is perfectly ridiculous claire reddened you mean that i or you for that matter who have known alwyn for years must step aside must dutifully foster this liking for a comparative stranger elizabeth smiled well naturally he's a man i am so sorry i can't agree Alwyn is a free agent, if she prefers my friendship to Mr. Lumsden's adorations. But I've told you already it's a question of marriage, Miss Hartle. Surely you see the difference. How can you weigh the most intimate, the most ideal friendship against the chance of getting married? Elizabeth was wholly in earnest. Claire mounted her high horse. I can, I do. There are better things in life than marriage for the average woman do you sincerely say so the brilliant woman the rich woman i don't count them and there are other exceptions of course but when her youth is over what is the average single woman a derelict drifting aimlessly on the high seas of life oh i'm not very clear it's easy to make fun of me but i know what i mean and so do you we're not children we both know that an unmated woman she's a failure she's unfulfilled claire was elaborately bored really miss loveday the subject does not interest me it must for alwyn's sake don't you realize your enormous responsibility Don't you realize that when you keep Alwyn entangled in your apron strings, bind to other interests, when you cram her with poetry and emotional literature, when you allow her to attach herself passionately to you, you are feeding and at the same time deflecting from its natural channel the strongest impulse of her life, of any girl's life. Alwyn needs a good, concrete husband to love, not a fantastic ideal that she calls friendship and clothes in your face and figure. You are doing her a deep injury, Miss Hartle, Unconsciously, I know, or oh, I should not be here, but doing it nonetheless. If you would consider her happiness, Claire broke in angrily. I do consider her happiness. Alwyn tells you that I am essential to her happiness she may believe so but she's not happy she has not been happy for a long time but she believes herself to be so i grant you that but consider the future shall she never break away shall she oscillate indefinitely between you and me spend her whole youth in sustaining two old maids oh miss hartle she must have her chance we must give her what we've missed ourselves claire appeared to be occupied in stifling a yawn her eyes were danger signals but elizabeth was not alwyn to remark them in one thing at least i do thoroughly agree with you i don't think there's the faintest likelihood of alwyn's wishing to marry at all at present but i do feel with you that it is unfair to expect her to oscillate as you rhetorically put it between two old maids i agree too that i have responsibilities in connection with her in fact i think she would be happier if she were with me altogether and i intend to ask her to come live here i shall ask her to-night don't you think she will be pleased Clara's aim was good elizabeth clutched at the arms of her chair you wouldn't do such a thing claire laughed shrilly i shall do exactly what your mr lumsden wants to do i'm not poor i can give her home as well as he if you are so anxious to get her off your hands she seems to be going begging elizabeth rose i'm wasting time i'll say good-bye miss hartle i shouldn't have come but it was for alan's sake i hoped to touch you to persuade you to forego for her future's sake for the sake of her ultimate happiness the hold you have on her i sympathize with you i knew it would be a sacrifice I knew because I made the same sacrifice two years ago when you first began to attract her. I thought you would develop her. I'm not a clever woman, Miss Hartle, and you are. So I made no stand against you, but it was hard for me. Alwyn did not make it easier. She was not always kind, but hearing you today, I understand. You made Alwyn suffer more than I guessed. I don't blame her if sometimes she recoiled on me. You were always cruel. I remember you. The others were always snails for you to throw salt upon. I might have known you'd never change. Do you think I don't know your effect on the children at the school? Oh, you're a good teacher. You force them successfully, but all the while you eat up their souls. Sneer if you like. Have you forgotten Louise? I tell you, it's vampirism. And now you are to take Alwyn? and when she is squeezed dry and flung aside who will the next victim be and the next and the next you grow greedier as you grow older i suppose one day you'll be old what will you do when your glamour's gone i tell you claire Harthill, you'll die of hunger in the end the small relentless voice ceased there was a silence claire who had remained quiescent for sheer amaze at the attack from so negligible a quarter, pulled herself together. Rather white, she began to clap her hands gently as a critic surprised into applause. My dear woman, you're magnificent. Really, you are. I never thought you had it in you. The law and the prophets incarnate. How Alwyn will laugh when I tell her. I wish you'd been here. You ought to be on stage, you know, or in the pulpit. Have you quite finished? Quite do unburden yourself completely you won't be given another opportunity you understand that of course if Alwyn wishes to see you she must make arrangements to do so elsewhere this is the one condition i shall make this is the way out elizabeth rose she was furious with herself that her lips must tremble and her hands shake as she gathered up scarf and reticule but she followed her hostess with sufficient dignity Clare flung open the door with a gesture, a shade too ample. Elizabeth laughed tremendously as she passed her and crossed the hall. Oh, you're not altered, she said, and bent to fumble at the latch. But it doesn't impress me. You've not won yet. You count too much on Alwyn, and you have still to reckon with Mr. Lumsden. And his three acres and a cow? Claire watched her contemptuously. It did not seem worth while to keep her dignity with Elizabeth she felt that it would be a relief to lose her temper completely to override this opponent by sheer crude invective she let herself go what a fool you are do you flatter yourself that you understand alwyn go back to your cullibs and tell him from alwyn i tell you to speak for alwyn that he's wasting his time let him take his goods to another market alwyn won't buy i've other plans for her she has other plans for yourself She doesn't want a husband. She doesn't want a home. She doesn't want children. She wants me and all I stand for. She wants to use her talents and she shall through me. She wants success. She shall have it through me. She wants friendship. Can't I give it? Affection, haven't I given it? What more can she want? A home, I'm well off. A brat to play with? Let her adopt one and I'll house it i'll give her anything she wants what more can your man offer but i won't let her go i tell you we suffice each other thank god there are some women who can do without marriage 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 elizabeth as if she heard nothing tugged at the catch the door swung open and she stepped quietly into the sunny passage then she turned to clear a gray angry shadow in the dusk of the hall poor claire she said are the grapes very sour she pulled to the door behind her later in the evening as she sat flushed tremulous utterly joyful over roger's telegram she considered the manner in her exit and was shocked at herself i don't know what possessed me said elizabeth apologetically and if i had only known It was unladylike it was unworthy it was unchristian she shook her head at her mild self in the glass but she made me so angry if I'd only known that this was coming she fingered the pink envelope she'll think I knew she'll always think I knew and then to say what I did it was unpardonable but I was right all the time cried Elizabeth incorrigibly And I don't care. I'm glad I said it. I'm glad. I'm glad. End of chapter 46